Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, hello. Great to be with you today. Um, So looking forward to spending a little time this morning uh, sharing with you, I believe, a word from God. And I just really hope it inspires and encourages you today, no matter what season you might find yourself in. And uh, I wanted to share a story with you. My son, Roman, recently went through a, an important milestone. Uh, important milestone, but unfortunately for him, a little bit of a traumatic milestone. And what it was is that for the first three and a half years of his life, four years of his life, he has slept in my bed and my wife Gabby's bed. Every night when he came home from uh, the hospital, he slept in a little bassinet next to our bed. But when he got over that bassinet, he's been sleeping in our bed, even though he's had his own cot and his own little uh, bed now. He's been sleeping with us. And you know what? I just got to the point where I just thought, this this is too much. Like, I can't handle another headbutt in the middle of the night. I can't handle, you know, trying to uh, sleep in such a small confined space, you know, enough kicks to the legs in the middle of the night. And so Gavin and I made this decision that we were going to get him to sleep in his own bed. Now, here's the thing. We didn't give him any warning. There was no build up. We didn't spend weeks telling him, hey, soon we're going to put you in your own bed to sleep every single night. You're not allowed back in our bed. And I'm not sure if it's great parenting or not. Uh, you can write a comment in the comments right now if you think that's great parenting. But that's what we did. Uh, here's the thing, though. We had been away for about three nights. We went down to, um, to Rye, spent some time there with the family. Before all the lockdowns, don't worry. And uh, we just decided, you know what, he's been out of his out of his environment, being out of our bed, so let's just try and see if we can do this. Well, we told Roman that as he was going to bed, and he was not impressed. He was uh, traumatized, crying, and the, the, the words that he said, and this is exactly what he said, I'm not, I'm not lying or making this up, this is what he said, he said, this is the worst day ever. I hate this day. And it made me laugh just how, uh, you know, kind of uh, expressive he was with his words. But this is the worst day ever. I hate this day. And I wonder if you have ever felt like that yourself. Man, this is the worst day ever. This is the worst season ever. And, you know, with everything that we're going through here in Melbourne and Victoria, we might be saying that ourselves. Can I be super honest? with you today, can I be a little bit open with you and transparent? I've been a feeling, I've been feeling a little bit like that on occasions throughout this whole lockdown period. From March to this time that we're in now, I've been feeling that from time to time. And you know, lockdown, social isolation, having to work from home, you can't, can't go out unless it's for essential services, having to wear a face mask, now, I've just been feeling like, you know what, this is the worst season ever. And my internal voice has been just like Roman. You know, man, I hate this day. I hate this season that I'm going through. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, hey, I'm sure you're not the only one. If you're by yourself, pull out your phone, put it in selfie mode and say, hey, I know he's not the only one. Uh, you know, today, 
I thank God for having God in my life. I'm so thankful that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful to hear his word, to hear his voice in my life every day. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that is so cool, Bronson. That's amazing. I wish that I heard God's voice each and every day in my life. And let me tell you something. You can and you do as well. Because it's very simple to hear God's voice. All you need to do is open your Bible. And I've said that many times before. Just open your Bible and you're going to hear God's voice. You're going to hear Him speaking. You're going to hear the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what you're going to find is that in your life, God is going to impart His wisdom, His joy, His peace, His comfort, His victory in your life. Such a powerful thing to do. Open your Bibles today to James chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen for you. But James chapter 1, it's towards the end of the New Testament, just after the book of Hebrews. And the book of James is a letter written by the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus. And he's writing a letter to some people who are going through some things. They're in a season of things happening in their lives. And, 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 and what he says is that, is that the interesting thing is that as you look at it, they're just like us. They're just like you and me. People going through tests and challenges in our lives. They're facing some trials and tribulations. And just like us, it's a season that they don't want to be in. And so let's look at James, see how he kicks it off. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't particularly love tests and challenges in my life. And that's the kind of gift that I prefer to leave under the Christmas tree. And I'm quite happy to let someone else be blessed in that way. You know, uh, if you're a person, if I was to ask you, do you like tests and challenges and you put your hand up, I just want to let you know right now, we have people waiting in the chat room to pray for you. If you click that I need prayer button, we'll start praying for you right now because you're not normal. Um, but James continues and continues to challenge us. He moves on down to verses 3 and 5. He says this, You know that under pressure, your faith life is being forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get His help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Verse 12 now. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mightily is mighty fortunate for such persons loyally in love with God the reward is life and more life I love what James says here loyally in love with God you know a loyal love between two people can see them through anything and that's what James is alluding to your love for and with God and God's love for and with you is going to get you through. 
See, James is challenging the Christians of his time. And 2,000 years later, his words are still true for us. He's encouraging them and he's encouraging us that you're going to go through some tests and challenges in your life. But you need to know a couple of things. Number one, you are not alone. You're not alone today. And number two, the best reward in life is not having a life free of problems, but it's having a life where the Heavenly Father is with you in your problems. And today as I'm speaking, perhaps you've heard about this Heavenly Father. You've heard about Jesus, you know about Easter, but you don't have God as part of your life. You don't have a relationship with you, with Him. And you do feel alone. And you do feel like you can't get through the problems and the challenges of life. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of my talk, my message today, for you to invite God to be part of your life. For you invite, to invite Jesus to be your Savior, to come into your life so that you're no longer alone. To be with you so that you have God's power and God with you in the tests and challenges of life, And I just pray that as I continue speaking, that God would speak and minister to your soul and that you would make the most important decision of your life at the end of my talk today. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, this is going to be our main passage of scripture that we're going to look at today in our remaining time together. And just to tell you uh, the context, uh, it's a story about Elisha. And the Shunammite woman. And what happens is that Elisha is traveling to a town called Shunam. And maybe he's just passing through. Maybe it's a town that's on the way to another town. Maybe he uh, is going to a conference for other prophets. And he's going to give them the wisdom of God. And tell them how to prophesy and to do miracles. Or maybe he's visiting another church. And he's going to sit underneath someone else's ministry. We don't know uh, exactly, but what we do know is that in this town of Shunem, there's a wealthy woman and her husband that live there. And this couple, they bless Elisha. In fact, every time he comes through town, they say, stay with us, have a meal with us. We want to look after you. And more than that, they also build an apartment on top of their house. Remember, they're quite wealthy. And they put a, a bed in there and a table and maybe there's a TV with Netflix. I, I don't know. But there's this room that they create for him. And they say, hey, every time, Elisha, that you come to Shunem, we want you to stay with us. We're going to care for you. We're going to look after you, feed you. We just want to bless you because you're the man of God. It's really beautiful what this couple wanted to do for Elisha. You know, they wanted to bless him. Bless this man of God. And, and it makes me wonder today, it makes me question, I wonder if there is anyone in our lives that God is wanting us to bless. I wonder if there's anyone that maybe the Holy Spirit has been talking to us about in our own lives. You know, maybe it's a neighbor or it could be a work colleague. Maybe it's one of our friends or family. Maybe it's another brother and sister in our elevation community that God is saying, I want you to bless this person. I want you to go out of your way to be a blessing to their lives. Uh, let me encourage you today. When God speaks, listen and obey. Just like the Shunammite woman. 
Listen and obey. When God calls you to bless someone, do that. You know, the number one way that God blesses people is through other people. And maybe that is you today that God wants to use. Elisha, he's, he's so grateful. He's so thankful to what these people are doing to this woman, to her husband, that he asks them, what can I do for you? He asks the woman, how can I help you? He says, hey, I've got connections. I know the king. Can I put a good word in for you to the king? He says, I know the commander of the armies. Can I put a good word in for you and do those types of things? And what happens is he finds out that they don't want those things, but through his servant Gehazi, he finds out that they don't have a son. And this is where we pick up the story today. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, What can we do for her? Gehazi replied, She doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me or get my hopes up like that. Here's a woman and she's quite likely felt called by God to offer her kindness and hospitality to Elisha. Maybe she does it to other people in her community as well, friends and family and other prophets. And, and she's obviously, she obviously loves God and, and believes that in serving Elisha, she's serving God. And, and we're the same today. We believe that when we serve our friends, our family, our neighbor, uh, some person, uh, that we are serving God. We believe that when we serve our church, that we are serving God. And yet, when the man of God makes this declaration, prophesies this thing upon her life, uh, she says, no, my Lord, don't deceive me. Don't get my hopes up. I don't, I don't want to get my hopes up. So please don't say that. The Bible doesn't outright say it, but we can perhaps infer by the way she responds, by her language, by the passionate plea that she makes to Elisha that she wanted a son, that it had been a, a long desired desire that she had that had not come to pass, that it had been something that she'd wished for from a young age, a hope, a plan, a desire of hers. And somewhere along the way, with all the tests and challenges that life brings, with the understanding of how old her husband is, with just, you know, things that happen in life. She learned to let go of that hope. She put aside, she put down and learned to be content with what her life was. I think there's some people that can relate today. I think there's a dream that God gave you. I think there's a hope that he birthed in your heart. I think there's a plan that he has for you, that you knew and had and were holding on to and believing, maybe as a hope for your life, for your family, your children, maybe for something that you wanted to achieve or do or be in life. And just through all of life and everything that has happened, you've learned to just get, to put it down, to, to put it away, to set it aside, to let go of that hope and just to be where you are. Now today, I do believe that we are to be content 
and we are to be satisfied for where God has us. In fact, the Apostle Paul has this to say about contentment. Philippians 4, 4 verses 12 and 13. Paul says this, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So Paul says be content and I believe that too. But when the prophet of God comes your way and he prophesies a hope upon your life when he comes and says that God is going to fulfill a hope that you have in your life that's something that we can put our trust in that's something that we can believe in verse 14 continues but sure enough the woman soon became pregnant and at that time the following year she had a son just as Elijah had said. Despite her disbelief, this woman got pregnant and she had a son like Elisha prophesied. An amazing miracle. Just think about how amazing that would have been for her. What a blessing. And there's people here today watching this sermon. There's people listening to this podcast. And I want to tell you, God is about to do a miracle in your life too. I believe it today, it is going to come to pass. Fast forward a number of years and the boy's older now and his dad is out in the field uh, laboring or supervising some laborers and the son comes out to the field and says, Dad, I've got a really bad headache. I feel feel a lot of pain in my head And, and the dad's concerned and so he tells one of his servants, take my son back to his mom. Let's get this checked out, make sure everything's okay. And, and so then he goes back to the mom and, and they don't have doctors back those days. Hey, so she, she's holding on to him. She's nursing him in her lap, the Bible says. And then something tragic happens. Just something devastating happens. This young boy, he passes away. He dies in the arms of his mom in her lap. It's a shocking turn of events. It's a... It's a devastating, tragic event that happens in this woman's life. In her, and so then in her pain and in her sorrow, she goes looking for the prophet. She goes looking for Elisha. And when she finally finds him, she, she confronts him. You know, the, the passion with inside her, the disappointment, the anger. She confronts him and she says this in verse 28. Did I ask you? For a son, my Lord, she said, didn't I tell you, don't get my hopes up. Don't raise my hopes. She's been on a roller coaster ride. She's hoped for a son. She's then learned to let go of that hope and to put it aside. And then then God has miraculously came into her life and given her a son birthed that son and lived with him and now in a tragic turn of events this son has has died and that hope that she had has been stolen once again from her taken away from her life and she's left with sorrow and disappointment and anger 
And we notice something from the words that come forth from her mouth about the way that she thinks. And it's this, that her hope was totally wrapped up in her son. And we could say it in another way that it might be more accurate, accurate. And it's this, her hope had everything to do with her circumstances of life. Let me say it again. Her hope had everything to do with her circumstances of life. Let's just pause this story for a moment and maybe come a little closer to home into our own lives. I think if we're honest with ourselves today, if we're truly honest and reflect upon our own lives and the way that we think, this is a picture of exactly how we live too. An amazing picture of how I live my life and how you live my life. We can so often equate our hope with what is going on around in our lives, with what is happening in our lives. Six weeks ago, we're on the cusp of ending stage three restrictions, going to more open freedoms, being able to you know, have more people in our homes. We're starting to prepare six weeks ago to come back to church for in-person gatherings. It's going to be amazing, chance to worship together again, see each other again. Um, you know, go to two services to make sure we can fit enough people in. I had so much hope and anticipation for what was going to happen. And I'm sure you did too. And then in other areas of our lives, being able to perhaps go back to work, you know, not having to work from home, be back at school with our friends and classmates at university and high school and primary school, uh, you know, be able to go back to a restaurant, have a nice meal, my wife, Gabby, she's an amazing cook, but even she's been saying, I'd love to go out to a restaurant and have an amazing chef-cooked meal. Go to the park with your kids and play with them. Maybe go to the footy, watch a footy match. All of these things that we're hoping for, anticipating being able to enter into again. We were ready. Come on, I was ready. Turn to the person next to you today and say, I was ready. Come on, turn, respond to that person and say, I was ready too. You know, we were ready, weren't we? But here we are, stage four restrictions. Instead of getting better, it's gotten worse. We've gone backwards. Now we're having to wear face masks. Man, I'm too scared to leave my house in case I get pulled over by the SAS or the, or the, or the, or the military or the police, the special operations group, and they chuck me on the ground. And the next thing you find on the news is pastor, Elevation Church, Taking a drive when he shouldn't, arrested, in jail. You know, I'm worried. We, we've lost all these freedoms. Instead of getting better, it's gotten worse. And we can be thinking to ourselves, is this ever going to end? Hope's leaving us. It's lessening, anticipation. We're kind of like just resigned. This is how life is and the hope is leaving our lives. Is it ever going to end? And of course, we know it will. It's going to come to an end. But it still can be like that in this season. We can still feel like we are in a place of hopelessness. Maybe for you, it's something else that's making you feel hopeless. Uh, maybe for you, it's a child that's uh, estranged from you or a child that's, that's perhaps sick and you're, you're losing hope for their life. You're losing hope for where they are. Maybe it's your finances, pressure and stress in that area. You've lost your job or maybe your partner, husband or wife has lost their job and, 
And you're just so worried. There's a feeling of hopelessness coming over your life. Maybe for you, it's mental health, battle in the mind. Just with everything happening in the world and with inside yourself and your own mind, you're just feeling like, man, I'm overwhelmed. I feel like there's no hope for me. You know, I believe we need to have a change of mindset when it comes to hope. We need to have a change of mindset when it comes to anticipation and expectation. Because I don't believe that God created us to place our hope in the things around us or the things of the world. I believe that God made us to place our hope in Him. Not in a relationship or our bank account. Not in our good looks or our position of prestige or privilege or power in the workplace or career or whatever it might be. Not those things. No. Our hope is to be placed in God alone. Psalm 33 verse 20 to 22. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and shield. In Him our hearts rejoice for we trust his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Our hope's in you alone, Lord, the psalmist says. And you know, when we talk about hope, what is the hope that we have in God? What is this hope that we are placing in God? The hope that he is always with us. The hope that no matter what we go through, he's beside us. The hope that the promises he's written and given to people in the Bible are going to come to pass. The hope that we have been saved and made new creations. That's the hope that we have, that his presence will never leave us. And that's the great promise of hope that Jesus left us before he ascended to heaven. Matthew 28, 20, this passage of scripture, just before Jesus leaves, he says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. Are you listening? Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. With his final words, his final you know, <coughs> sermon, his final message, he says... I am with you always. Today, let that encourage your soul. Let that stir your spirit within you. That God is always with you in every season of life that you might be in. The God of the universe who created all things, who made you, who made me. He is with you. The one who paid the price shed his blood on the cross and then died but didn't stay dead in the tomb. He rose again in new life. He is with you. He's right beside you today, right where you are in your home, in your car, tomorrow, at work. God is with you as you're doing remote learning from home. Uh, High school students and, and primary school students and university students, God is with you. That's the hope that we hold on to. God, you're with me through the tests and challenges that I'm going through. You are not alone. You're not alone. And whether we're meeting in person 
at our church building or whether we're meeting online as a church, God is with us. We're never alone. We have a hope living inside of us. Hope is not a concept. It's a living person who leads us, who guides us, who loves us. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. And right where you are right now, why don't we just give God some praise today. Lift up the name of Jesus. Declare that he is so good. Jesus, you are so good. You are our hope. We praise you, Lord. Romans 5, 2-5. Paul says this, Through him we have also attained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Let me tell you today, the trials and tests and challenges and trials of life are not wasted by God. He, is, he has a way of producing a hope from them. He has a way in those moments of bringing us back to Him, of pointing us to Jesus Christ. He has a way of doing those things, not a hope in our circumstances, but a hope in and of God. It's a hope that transcends human means because it's a hope from above. It's a hope that brings supernatural ability and vision to see past what we see and to see what could be. It's a hope that knows today is better because Jesus is in my life. And no matter what I face, I'm abundantly blessed because I've been called a son and daughter of the Lord Most High. I've been adopted into his family with all the rights and privileges of a child of God. It's a hope that knows today is better because Jesus is in my life. I think I just said that, but let me continue on. It's a hope that we have in God, in Christ Jesus, a hope that we have in the Holy Spirit. That's the hope we have today in our lives that we carry that is birthed inside of us. And as I finish up, I want to ask you today, where's your hope? Where are you placing your hope? Who are you putting hope in? Is it in those things around you, your circumstances? Is it yourself? Is it what you've achieved, your accomplishments? Is it any of those things? Is that where you're putting your hope? See, your hope, I want to be really honest and straight with you this today. Your hope is either in God or it's not. There's no two ways about it. It's either in God or it's not. It's in Him or it's in something or someone else. And let me encourage you and challenge you today to be praying to the God of hope for hope in your life, that you would be placing it in Him, to be speaking words of hope and life over your family, your situation, 
to be looking to Jesus. Let this message spur you on. Invite the Holy Spirit day by day to spur your spirit on, to rise you out of the miry clay, to bring you into a place where you can declare, yes, Lord, you are my hope. I will see and get through what I'm going through. The story of the Shunammite woman isn't finished. It's not done. Let's go back to that story. The son is dead. He's, he's, he's laying dead on a bed. In fact, she's put him in the room of Elisha, top of her house on his bed. Elisha goes back. And you can read it in your own time, but he goes back and he prays for the young boy. And an amazing, amazing, miraculous thing happens. The young boy comes back to life. Another miracle in this woman's life. Another miracle for her husband. The boy is alive. Praise God. And it really shows us something about the father. It really shows us something about God today. You know, even though her hope was in her son, God still comes into her life. He still intervenes and performs a miracle on behalf of her. And that's the God that we serve. Even if we might put our place, our hope in some other place, even though we might misplace it into some situation, person, something. We put our hope there instead of putting our hope in God. God is so faithful. He is so just. He is so loving that He will still come into our lives and intervene on behalf of our, on behalf of our prayers and behalf of us to bring a miracle into our lives. Final scripture today, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Don't give up hope today. Don't give up hope today. Keep asking God to pour out His abundant blessings and promises over your life. Keep asking Him to guide and direct and instruct and show you how to live your life and the way that you should go. Keep looking for His goodness. Keep hoping in the living God. See, never forget your hope is not based on you or your circumstances. Your hope for the future is based on God and who He is and what He has promised. Today I'm prophesying over you and your family, and your health, and your finances, and your relationships, and all those things. I'm prophesying God's hope today. Today I'm prophesying and I'm declaring God's best for you. God's best for us. God's best for our church. Today I'm declaring and proclaiming the hope of God for our future. Let's hope in God. He is with us. Let's pray today. God, I just thank you that we find our hope in you. Lord, not in anything else that we might think it is ought, that it ought to be in. God, that it's truly in you. I just pray today that that would be more true each and every day of our lives. Holy Spirit, daily remind us to seek you, to seek God, to seek hope from Him. 
Lord Jesus, you know, maybe today you're listening to this message and you find yourself in a place of hopelessness. You feel that you're in a situation, a circumstance, a test, a challenge, that you just see no hope. Today, I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, why don't you pray with me? Lord God, I pray for any man and woman, any child, young or old, Jesus, that today feels hopeless. They're looking all around them, Lord God. Maybe it's the stage four restrictions here in Melbourne. Maybe it's some other circumstance in their life. God, I just pray right now, Jesus, Jesus, call their eyes, call their spirit to you today. Call their spirit away from the distractions of life and onto you, God. Holy Spirit, revelation, revelation, reveal yourself today. Reveal the hope, anticipation, expectation that we have in God. Lord Jesus, enable them to look past what they see now, to look into the spirit realm, Lord God, to see the future of what God has for them. Jesus, let them look forward to see a blessed day that is coming for them, Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. Amen. You might be another person today, and today you're watching. And today, as I've been talking, or you're listening on a podcast, as I've been talking about God and the hope that we have and sharing the story of the Shunammite woman, and you've said to yourself, I don't have that kind of hope. I don't have that kind of peace. I don't have that kind of assurance. I don't even know who God is or who Jesus is. I've heard about them, but I don't know who they are. Today, I believe that as I've been talking, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. He's been speaking to your heart. And he's been inviting you to invite Him into your life. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our heart, knocking, asking to be invited in. And today, you could make the best decision of your life by saying, Jesus, come into my life. God, I want to invite you to be part of my life and not just be part of it, to be the central figure, the central component of my life. Many people watching and listening today have done that in our church, and in our community. We've made that decision, the best decision we've ever made in our lives. And it's very simple to do that today. All you need to do is say a simple prayer. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So today, if that's you, would you say this simple prayer with me right now? If you said it many times before, I want to encourage you to say it again today. Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, just repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I admit I am a sinner who has fallen short of your righteousness. Today I ask Jesus to come into my life. Thank you, you make me new and I will follow you for the rest of my life. In your name, amen. How great was that word from Pastor Bronson this morning on hope, something that we are so in desperate need of today. I just pray that that was a word of encouragement for you and something that you needed to hear. This morning, if you made that decision and said that prayer to follow Jesus,
I just want to make sure you let us know. We really want to celebrate with you this incredible decision that you have made. Or maybe you didn't make, you didn't say that prayer and you feel you want to say that prayer. Please, we encourage you, it'll be the best decision that you ever make. Jesus is such an incredible, credible partner for your life. Um, why don't you let us know in the chat room so someone can come alongside you, pray with you and celebrate with you. But church, I just want to thank you for joining us today and thank you for such a great Sunday and for letting us be part of it. And don't forget, we love you very much. We miss you very much, but we want to stay connected. So Tuesday nights, we have prayer. Thursday, we have Zoom. And after church every Sunday, we have wrap up where you can see Pastor Bronson and I chat. We love you. We miss you very much. And we are standing with you. Bye and God bless. <laughs>